Hello everyone, my name is Hannah Braden. And this is Christina Erickson. This is another episode in a series of podcasts about environmental justice. And today we're talking about food sovereignty in Appleton, Wisconsin. So the term environmental justice came about when people started to notice that there was a disproportional distribution of environmental benefits and environmental pollution. So for example, there would be a lot of mines and PCB landfills that would be located around communities of color. Yeah, because those communities are going to be the ones that are least able to resist the siting of Mm -hmm. waste management sites Mm -hmm. like that and other problems. They also get a lot of air pollution, um, lots of complicated issues. But food sovereignty is also relevant to environmental justice because the environment is more than parks and wildflowers and birds and like what we think of as wilderness. Mm-hmm. It can also be used to describe just our surroundings every day that, mm-hmm. that we live in. Yeah, not everybody has access to fresh whole foods. Um, so this is why we can connect food sovereignty into mm-hmm. this issue. If your environment um, doesn't yeah. include mm-hmm. grocery stores right. with affordable produce, right. for and instance. And that comes to the um, really cool word, food desert. Mm. You may not have heard of it before. But it is this thing. Yeah, it's a little bit tricky to define a food desert, but it's mm-hmm. usually an area where um, low-income people have low access to food. Right. So if there's not a grocery store within, say, half a mile or a mile from where they're living, um, and these people generally don't have good, like, reliable transportation to get food, so that's mm-hmm. another issue And it turns out that Appleton, there's not a lot of racial distribution for food access, but there is some, like, income disparity, and there are some areas in Appleton that are considered food deserts. Yeah, yeah, and so we were wondering if there was somebody addressing food security and food sovereignty in Appleton. Obviously, there's food banks but we were really excited about this nonprofit, Riverview Gardens, and their mission statement is, quote, Riverview Gardens is unique among organizations serving people with barriers to stable employment. Finding and retaining employment may be the most important factor in reducing recidivism for previously incarcerated persons. We provide valuable transferable work skills in a trauma-informed, no-fail setting that allows participants to work on building healthy workplace relationships. Yeah, they seem like a really cool organization. They partner with a lot of uh, homeless shelters and food banks, but they themselves are a garden, and they have volunteers to help them grow food right in the middle of the city. And they're located right by an area of Appleton that is food insecure, and it's considered pretty much a food desert and they help the people that are living there. They also do a community-supported agriculture program. So they do household CSAs where a family will buy a share and like pick up a bag of food every week, and that food is supposed to feed a family of four for a week. That's the goal. And then they also have some businesses that buy CSA shares, and then they partner with organizations like COTS and a food bank to sell the extra food. To find out more about Riverview, we sat down with a couple of people who work there. Yeah, so we will now turn to our interview, and here we go. So my name is Amy Hingeveld. My title is the Community Engagement Coordinator. I'm here through an AmeriCorps grant. One of my main goals here is health and wellness within mm-hmm. the community. So Cool. 
um, and my name is Elise Pavletic. I am the farm manager. I focus pretty much mainly on the vegetable production, um, a little bit on flowers, a little bit on some fruits here and there, but mainly vegetables. All right, should we go to the first question? Yeah, let's dive in. So first we were wondering if you could explain to us how you see Riverview fitting into Appleton's food system and with your emphasis on teaching people skills instead of feeding them, like that's kind of a secondary focus, right? Mm -hmm. So do you think seeing how food is grown helps your volunteers feel more connected to what they eat? What do you think yeah. the effect is on the community? Um, definitely. So obviously the main automatic effect is that people have access to healthy organic foods, right? Mm -hmm. Like non-processed mm -hmm. vegetables and fruits. Um, on a bigger scale though, people are learning where their food comes from. A lot of our participants have food scarcity at home. Um, they come from poor economic backgrounds, things of that nature. So we've had people come in and as we're processing vegetables or planting them, they like to ask questions like, what is this going to turn into? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. How do we use it? Things like that. A good story we have is uh, some youths were in and they were harvesting cucumbers and they were like, oh, what is this? This looks like a pre-pickle. And we we're like, well, you're not wrong. Like <laughs> cucumbers are used to make pickles so mm -hmm. um sort of that knowledge base also comes into play a little bit mm -hmm. and I guess also people are coming and volunteering here for any number of reasons but as the season goes on we're gonna have a lot of vegetables and we like to send home like um, leftover lunches with people we're also planning on having kind of a box of kind of the oddball vegetables you know the ones that the carrots that are a little twisty or the ones that are a little imperfect mm -hmm. and we want people to take those home and so Amy has um, put up actually this really cool poster of every single vegetable and how you can cook it typically like and oh. so it's like okay so here's a beet here's how you might want to like a general way to cook yeah. that and use it we donate you know some food to other places there's work share programs but just the basic level we're like here take some leftovers mm -hmm. you know so awesome. yeah um we do feed our volunteers lunch every single day while they're here um and so on tuesdays and fridays we have take home leftover days because we also want to reduce our food waste here on the farm. So, right. so is there a difference between volunteers and participants? What's <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, I use volunteer and participant interchangeably, but oh, there yeah. is I a guess difference. I do too, but yeah. Um, so participants really, to me, mean this the um, our job training program, Service mm -hmm. Works. They come, they volunteer, or work with us for 90 hours, and then when they complete that 90 hours, they get support services for up to three years. So refreshing resumes or let's fill out applications together, or even just like, how are you doing? Let's right. talk. So they volunteer for 90 hours, and then they get the support? Yes. Okay, cool. So it is a no-cost, no-fail program. Okay. So um, it doesn't cost the participants anything to be in it. Okay. And then it, that no-fail aspect is the unique aspect. So a lot of our volunteers, they may come, and then something may come up, and they cannot come back for a few weeks or, you know, whatever. Um, when they do come back, they have all the hours they had when they left. Mm -hmm. So we don't let them fail out of our um, our program because we recognize that a lot of times those in our program either come from an area of homelessness, they're struggling with that, or they're struggling with their mental health, or they're struggling with um, any number of things, whether it's addictions, anything. So that no-fail aspect is really important as they've failed out of a lot of a lot of programs, and so we don't want them. We want to create an environment where people can succeed here. Nice. Um, so that's the participant. Volunteers typically are the community volunteers who come in. So school groups, um, retirees, 
you know, people who are just looking to do some good in their community. Do you find that a lot of people find Riverview because they've heard about it from other people in the community? Yeah, I, I occasionally that does happen. Um, typically, community volunteers are more like, I'm looking for a place to volunteer, and so I've researched and I found you guys. Oh, uh-huh. Whereas our participants are more like, hey, I had a friend who did this, or we do a lot of outreach at, you know, whether it's homeless shelters or other areas of that nature. So um, that one's a little more word of mouth, I would say, for okay. sure. But I'm, you do go out of your way to recruit people for the participants. Yes. yes. Nice. Are you guys selling the produce in order to use that to support your participants? Is that how that works, or is it... Yeah, so all of the money we make from CSA, our Community Supported Agriculture Program, okay. which is where all of the produce goes, all that money goes directly back into the farm. Okay. The farm is one of five social enterprises we have here to support our mission of that um, supporting people with barriers to employment. Mm-hmm. So the farm's the biggest one. It's where we need the most volunteers. It's where we utilize the most people. But yeah, the money from that does go directly back in. So. Oh, it's to support the, the farm itself, not per, not particularly the... Per, uh, so the money from the CSA does go right back into the farm, which mm-hmm. the farm or, is then... I mean, I mean, Riverview in general, I guess. Mostly but, the farm. But since right. it's a non-profit, right. I mean, every, everything yeah, you is... Yeah, you try to use it. Right, as, yeah, it goes back right. into okay. whether it be, like, who needs, you know, the program for helping um, veterans at a certain point, you know, that can go into that, or the Mm -hmm. youth program needs a little more money, or, Mm -hmm. you know, we need a bigger, like, kitchen at the farm to serve more people, or something, you know, something like that, just for example. So, do you think of what you're doing as environmental justice work? I guess originally I didn't really think of it like that, and I don't necessarily every day, because it's, I'm like, oh, no, I'm just growing vegetables to meet a deadline but in reality it's more it is more than that yeah and it it's helpful when people are asking questions while we're working or um I send someone home with vegetables you know it like that kind of reminds me of what we're doing that's greater than that Mm -hmm. it's a little harder just because I'm not trained in like the social work aspect of it Mm -hmm. um and there are people that specifically do that and are trained and you know work with the people and so I don't necessarily work with that aspect but I do realize that like in the larger picture Riverview is not just like your regular farm business you know it's it's, Mm -hmm. and that also comes into play when we have all kinds of people coming in here that want to work and have different time constraints or limitations and you you make it work for them you know Mm -hmm. I don't like if someone's it, it doesn't really matter to me their skill level. They're di- we're going to make them feel welcome and, I don't know, make them feel like what they're doing matters because it does, because yeah. we need all the hours we can get. And I guess in that sense, it's kind of a reminder that this isn't just to make money, you know? It's the purpose is, like, helping the people, too. And right. even in the hours of work, it's it's yeah. helping them. Sure. Um, yeah, so I along the lines of what Elise said, we... I say it's an orientation every week. Um, We're people first and then produce. So, Mm -hmm. like, if someone comes in and they're having a crisis and we don't get, you know, the tomatoes harvested, that's fine. Because Mm -hmm. our main goal is, again, not harvesting the tomatoes. It's supporting the people. But I do think a big portion of what we do here is also just the very beginning exposure to, like, healthy eating or, you know, vegetables and things of that nature, especially from my end of the health and wellness Mm -hmm. aspect. If I can get people to even just come in and, like, try something new like try a new vegetable that you've never had before or you know it was definitely a mindset switch for me when I first started here because 
it's very easy to get in the mindset of like, we got to get this planted today. we got to get this done today. we got to... That's not our goal. Right. <laughs> our goal is to, you know, meet the needs of right. the people who utilize us. So it's a balance, I think. So we have this map here that shows the area right around Riverview Gardens as being half a mile away from any like, grocery store access to food, which classifies it as a food desert. Is that something that you keep in mind when you're working with participants and like people in your community? So I will say, I haven't seen this particular image before. Mm-hmm. I do find that really interesting. <laughs> um, we do recognize that a lot of our participants don't have access to um, transportation. So we have a earn a bike program where we try to sort of combat some of that. So um, whether it's our service works participants or our, our community volunteers, anyone who is here 15 or more hours, they are eligible to get a bike, a bike lock, a bike helmet, and a bike light. Mm. Um, oh, right. So we do have that in place. Nice. Um, and that is, a, again, a no-cost program. The bikes are donated from the community. All the safety equipment's donated brand new. Mm-hmm. And we have a lovely group of volunteers who refurbish the bikes and get them road ready. So we do recognize that transportation is an issue. Yeah, that's great. So that totally relates to the food desert thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or walking to grocery stores. It's yeah. easier to have a bike. Yeah, no, I ha- that's, a re- that's actually really interesting because most of the time people are getting their bikes just to be- for their employment. And from what people say, most of the time they'll come in here, do the 15 hours, get a bike, and, and we might not see them again even, which um, is okay because, I mean, they got the thing that is going to help them make it to work. But ultimately, then that's a tool for them, you know, to go anywhere that they might need to go or come back. Mm. I really like to keep people feeling welcome, just that they can come back anytime they want, even if they're not serving hours for a particular reason. Um, I know from the AmeriCorps aspect, there are a lot of push to get Appleton to be a more bike-friendly community. So more bike lanes mm-hmm. are be putting oh, yeah. in, oh, things yeah. of that nature. So mm-hmm. we are, a lot of organizations are working to make it more bike-friendly. And then um, we do have a bus stop on site oh, as well. Did you oh, work really to funny. get that placed there? I believe so, because one of our um, participants, he is unable to drive, and he was like, uh, how am I supposed to get a ride to my wise placement? So we, mm-hmm. so they got um, a bus stop for him on site. On Wednesdays, we do a community meal for lunch. Um, we serve our participants lunch here every day, but on Wednesdays, it's made in the morning by volunteers up at the community center. Oh, okay, cool. And so every volunteer from any participating enterprise, I guess you could call it, um, will go to the community center for lunch on Wednesdays. And so we all walk up with all of our volunteers the hydroponics volunteers walk to lunch. Any guys um, that are in the Ryan House, any people at COTS are welcome to come. Just anyone who's at the community center at that time is welcome to come mm-hmm. to lunch. And so we all sit down together. Hydroponics will give a salad for lunch. It's kind of nice, like a community mm-hmm. meal, to see all the different volunteers that right. are there at any any given Wednesday. So yeah, that makes for lively conversations. <laughs> yeah, no, it's inter- yeah. it's cool. Yeah, it's been so. really fun. Um, and as we move farther into spring and summer, the group is getting bigger and bigger, which is always mm-hmm. really exciting. So I'm curious because I was reading about organizations like food banks and mm. how people criticize them for providing band-aid solutions to food insecurity problems that they're feeding people today instead of trying to solve the root like systemic problems sure. in the food system that lead to that hunger. And people have speculated that it's because these organizations rely on government support as well as on private donations. Mm -hmm. So I read on Riverview's site that your mission statement 
talks about addressing these root problems. And mm-hmm. I also read that you guys rely on exclusively private support without any government funding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was wondering if, how does Riverview go about addressing these problems and how are your methods different from or similar to food banks? Definitely. Addressing those root causes of either homelessness or those other social wellness issues, um, I would say we really focus in on the longer-term solution. So mm-hmm. our job training program, when people come through, once they finish, we don't just say, all right, good job, go find a job. We <laughs> work with them for up to three years. We help them find jobs. We have, I think, like 81, 84 community partnering organizations with us. So a big one is Valley Packaging. We typically, a lot of times, will be like, hey, we have a couple of people who just graduated our program. Are you hiring? Can we send them to you? Great. Um, I know we use some of that private funding to buy things like bus passes so that we can give our participants bus passes if they don't have one so they can get to said job. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So I know the other day we had a participant who um, she really needs some new clothes for an interview. And we are like, we have... Um, we partner with area thrift stores. Here's a voucher. Go find the clothing you need to be successful. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of things like that. Or uh, also... We have a lot of paper products that are donated yeah. and different like household items like um, or personal hygiene items. Oh, cool. And so yeah. um, if for our service works coordinators that stay with these people for you know a number of years after they graduate the program, we'll be in contact. And if this person needs you know t- paper towel or toilet paper for their house, we have a lot of that to right. give them or soap or a razor or just like simple things like that that might be forgotten if you have more important things you need to put your money towards mm-hmm. um and so that's those are like things that the service risk coordinators would check in with them and kind of make sure that they have those right. and so that was just um, no, on your yeah. train of thought so. great mm-hmm. um and most of those items get donated to us through it's called help for the homeless drive put on by 919 the family the mm-hmm. radio station so um that's a big drive that we do every year with the private donations versus uh, for funding aspect. We have a big fundraiser every year called Chopped, similar to the TV show where we have local Mm -hmm. celebrities come in and we do that on site here at our community center. Um, And so that's like our biggest fundraiser of the year. Um, And that really... Um, is where a lot of our funding comes to address those root causes. I think like I think also having a lot of private donors I think first of all also gives us more flexibility as an organization to define the program so you don't have to comply with government standards not that those are a bad thing but it is really restrictive Mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily know a lot about that and I'm sure the people who are trained in the social work aspects have more to say but um, I think it allows us to kind of see what the program's needs are, what the people in the programs need, and then we can allot the money in better ways. Mm-hmm. Also, I think um, having private donations helps us have people maybe believe more in what we're doing. It allows like more personal connections. And so even if it, I don't know if it's a family or a business or whatever kind of thing, they'll, you know, come in, have a, have a tour, see what's happening, meet the, meet the staff, meet see some participants, talk to people, and get to know kind of really what's going on, and then maybe feel more of a connection to what's happening here. The only other thing I would say to this Mm -hmm. question is that we really tailor our program to each participant, so it's not cookie cutter. Nice. Um, (laughs) We have some participants who, you know, they'll get their 90 hours done for the the job training program in three weeks. Great. Um, We have others who take longer, and that's fine. Um, and then at the end, we, it's the support we give them is not, okay, we're going to do your resume. Okay, we're going to fill out job applications. Okay, we're getting you a job. Mm-hmm. It's more, 
Does your resume need to be updated? No? Are you more interested in going back to school? Great. You know what I mean? So it's really based on the person and what they need to succeed. But, I mean, it does certainly address the question because it's uh, the root cause is that there is unemployment. And if you can't pay for your own food, you're not, you're going to go hungry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm curious if you have difficulty with any miscommunications that are related to working with marginalized people in the community Mm -hmm. where maybe there's some cultural differences or something. Sure. Um... I think that happens occasionally. Yeah. Um, definitely, for sure, right? Like, that's just gonna, people are people, and mm-hmm. we all have different backgrounds, and so there will always be some yeah. some miscommunications there. I guess that, so when people first start working with us, they do fill out kind of an information, like, online, just questionnaire about, like, their contact info, um, and they click who referred them, how they, how they heard about us, yeah. or whatever reason they might be volunteering, but if... If they don't give me that information, I don't ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they might, you know, people might be serving their court or community service. People might be just a regular volunteer. People might be part of different programs, government or around the community. I'm just going to treat them like a volunteer, a community volunteer sure. either way. And so I guess to me, like I, if if I don't know what they're, and, and I guess that's, you know, a positive and a negative. Like, I want to meet their needs and help them, but I don't necessarily need to know what they're, what they've done wrong or what, um, right. you know, where they're coming from or, Might get you know too I mean? personal. Right. And, and if someone wants that personal connection and, they're, and they want to talk and they want to do those things, we can do that too. That's fine. But I don't need to delve into, you know, I don't need to form judgments in my head if... I, you know, you it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me, like, why they're right. here. Right. Um, I would say, too, sometimes a miscommunication that might arise is, again, with those soft skills that maybe haven't been developed. Recognizing that sometimes what, like, I anticipate is going to happen today or the next day or, you know, what I think is a very reasonable and attainable goal for someone, for someone else might not be. And so just recognizing, like, within myself, like, okay. Amy, just because you're good at this or you don't, you know, this is like a skill that you have Mm -hmm. does not mean other people do. So make sure that my end, from my end, there's no miscommunication of like, Mm -hmm. oh, I need you to go out and do this. Well, they have no idea what that means. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's those, um, we call them soft skills here. Mm -hmm. Like things you and I would be like, okay, we agreed to meet Mm -hmm. at three. We're meeting them at three. But maybe that's not a skill you've ever acquired or, you know, it's something you need to work on. So, yeah, we like to really boost those soft skills. And that could even look like, hey... Are you having something with your mental health? Are you struggling and you need to go home early or you need to like talk to us about it? Mm-hmm. How do you have those conversations mm-hmm. with your supervisor? So, yeah, so as the participants that you help out um, and then graduate the program, age group wise, what are they and like maybe ethnicity? Um, that's pretty across the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's, <laughs> yeah. Um, service works, youth is typically, I say, I, we usually say 15, but truthfully, we do have some middle schoolers as well. Uh, to 24 is where we cap youth because we recognize that for some people, like, having that youth focus of, like, all right, school or education or your first job is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then adult, um, I think sometimes we do have, I think technically it's, like, 18 to some to whatever. I mean, there is no I capping mean, that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but yeah, we, I mean, we have all it's kinds of ages, um, ages and ethnicities, and we've had language barriers where I um, use yep. a translation app on my phone to talk oh. to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Swahili and yeah, Swahili. something else, oh. yeah, and French. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. People of color are definitely probably a smaller amount just because it's yes. also the community that we yeah. live right. in. Right, we are in North sure. Wisconsin. But, yeah, um, for sure. But that's not to say that there aren't. But age range, it really is very diverse. Yeah, which has been really neat because yeah. I think it's great to have all those different perspectives. Right. You know, yeah, and it's together. also kind of... Um, because things can happen at any point in life, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and some people do volunteer their stories and like to tell. And, um, you know, life can be going one way and then you can just take a crazy left turn and everything right. goes off the rails and mm-hmm. you know you can start again and you can work back for something else and yeah it's it's yeah. really it's interesting and it's cool and we learn a lot from people oh my gosh, there yeah. are a lot of people who might <laughs> who have farming backgrounds or um their parents were farmers or their their grandparents or things like that and they'll come out here and and I'll be explaining what the task is, and they'll they'll be like, oh, I know, it's okay. Uh-huh. Like I'll I'm just gonna jump I in. I know and how do to it. do I'm that. Like, All right, great, <laughs> great, right? Love it. Please help more. Right, right. come awesome. back every day and do this. Because, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Here, everybody so. has something they can bring to the table, and that's really our that's really what we base every interaction we have with people right. here on. It's yeah. just like, what skill do you have? What skill do you want to build? Let's find a yeah. meeting point of those. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Well, yeah, and for me, I don't have a farming background. That's not my background in any capacity. I enjoy the work. Like, I really do enjoy doing it, but I came yeah, but you're really green. I was but like, you'll oh. get right out there and do whatever we need yeah. to do. Yeah, so really, much. we just ask people, like, okay, you don't have a background. That's not a problem. Come in and at least be willing to try, right? Like, right. jump out there, see yeah. what can happen, you know, so. Yeah, is there anything you'd like to add? I am really happy that you guys brought up kind of the food scarcity mm-hmm. and the environmental justice aspects mm-hmm. because it's, I think it's easy for us working directly on the farm sometimes to forget about that a right. little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sure. And yeah. just because we're so focused on the production side of it that um, and we're definitely we are working with the people you know, we're working with them with the most volunteers but we're not necessarily, we're not the people that are following up with them so yeah. we're not really hearing those issues addressed directly and so I think it, I'm really happy you guys brought it up and are asking questions because it reminds us kind of <laughs> yeah no it's really it's really good bigger picture I guess thank you guys so, for being willing to talk oh, about yeah, this oh no, yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's great cool that was a great interview yeah oh my gosh like one of the things I just really liked how Reverie Gardens um structured everything and made a really cool connection between the jobs and food security yeah and transportation yeah. as well mm-hmm. it's a big part yeah. of that one of the things that I really liked is how they made sure that they it's a no-fail system for the people who have, how Elise said, who are normally have barriers to employment. And the way they did the no-fail system is making sure that, like, hey, you don't have to do the number of hours all at one go. You can, like, take a leave of absence and mm-hmm. then come back and finish it. Once you get the hours, then you can get job training skills. I really liked how they set that up. Yeah, it sounds good. It sounds like it's a more relaxed system than some. And they seem to really support the participants a mm-hmm. lot. They talked a lot about that. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. getting them um, supplies like razors or paper supplies. That's yeah. really neat too. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I meant to ask them, but I forgot. Uh, they didn't talk any about culturally appropriate food. Mm-hmm. They did talk about right, making sure that right. you know what how to cook what you're yeah. growing. Yeah. But 
Right. Well, they did say how, like, they did say that they have some of the Hmong population. Oh, yeah. Um, who and, have experience yeah. with gardening. Yeah. So I'm wondering if Riverview Gardens is growing vegetables that they would normally cook. Yeah. Or if they're, like, leaving those out. Or oh, we should ask them yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. But that's cool, because they did yeah. say that they've learned some about mm-hmm. gardening from their participants and volunteers. Yeah. So that's yeah. good. Yeah, for sure. One other thing that I liked about Riverview Gardens is the way they approach job security and um, this food security too is building a community. So in class we've learned a lot about how a good way of approaching environmental justice is by making sure that like it's it's community based. We can't just come into a community, see that there's environmental justice and tell them what to do. Right. Um it should be the bottom up approach where the community has a say and it's very important to have that. And here they are building a community with these meals that they all group together from all these like different parts of um regardless because it's a really huge place. There's, right. Like, the hydroponics and then, like the f- farm itself and You've got lots you know, of different operations yeah, going yeah, on. They all come together <laughs> and have food and then they have leftovers to give to the volunteers and that's just really cool yeah it seemed like a really great organization mm-hmm. I, was, yeah. I was impressed mm-hmm. all right do you have anything else to add no i'm good thank you so much professor rosick for giving us this opportunity and thanks to all the people who helped us out yes thanks to the it department in the library and in main hall uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was um, great yeah and also, there's some other podcasts out there. They're going to be doing not just food security, a whole bunch of other different um, Facets of environmental justice. Yes. So, cool. Check it out if you can. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's all. Bye. Bye. Bye.